Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Everyone's excited about this year, especially on offense. We got the tools to be a really good offense. It's the start of a special journey. This group, we have staff-wise, player-wise, it'll never be the same again. You want to make it count and, and make sure uh, we all put our best foot forward. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. All right, I'm distracted by Twitter. Mikel Bridges tweeting out a picture of Mikel Bridges, and I don't I, anything now. I want to know what it means. Um, we'll get into the Kevin Durant stuff again in a little bit, but uh, practice is about to get going here, Wolf. And uh, you know, Kyler was out all of last week with the COVID issue. He was out there on Saturday signing autographs, and the, certainly there's the hope that he will be uh, ramping things up this week. In fact, this is Cliff over the weekend. Uh, we're going to get him loosened up. Uh, obviously, he's been out of commission for five days, kind of sitting around trying to feel better. Uh, so we'll see how he feels. And, and if he does anything, it'll be minimal football-wise. But I know he's going to run and lift and uh, just try and get get rolling again. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I want to see how he feels. He may do some indie um, or part of the warm-up, but we'll see. So it's not really back to normal yet, is it? Um, yeah, I mean, we, this was anticipated. We didn't want to rush him back out there after five days of not doing anything. So once we knew he had COVID, we set the schedule and uh, just wanted to ease him back in and get around the guys. And then Monday, I expect him to at least do something. Okay, so there it is. There's where we're standing right now, literally up here mm-hmm. in the looking booth. Looking down at the field. Looking down at the field. We'll have to wait and see if, in fact, Kyler Murray gets any reps. You heard him say Indy. That's individual period, of course. Mm-hmm. And what happens is after you stretch, after you warm up, of course, most teams, they'll go ahead and they'll break up into individual. It's the first thing that you'll typically do in any practice. Offensive linemen. They go with Sean Kugler, the offensive line coach, right? Running backs, they go to the running backs room. So you go to each one of your rooms and you get ready for practice. It's called individual period. And we'll see if Kyler Murray takes any team. Team period is when you have 11 on 11. A lot of times you'll have 9 on 7. 9 on 7 is just the inside drill. That's what it is. That is not considered team because obviously you don't have the wide receivers involved in that period at all. You don't have the corners involved. Rarely will you have a safety involved, but it's 9 on 7 because you will have a quarterback, you will have a running back, but it's a very physical period as well. We'll see if Kyler Murray gets any of those reps. Uh, This is Bill Cower from the 33rd team talking about Kyler Murray's evolution through his first three years and going forward. Forward now, the guys that talented, like Ben was his first year. I didn't ask him to do a lot until he earned it, and he he, he got into understanding it a little bit more. So I think again, as Kyler goes on, he'll prepare, he'll see it more and more, he'll understand the National Football League and each opponent, what he has to do each week, and then he'll sit there, and, and the coach will give him more based on how much they feel he can handle, how much it doesn't take away from his natural ability. Man, I love that. Yeah, Bill Cowher was a pretty successful coach. I think he knows a a few things about the, uh, especially coaching the quarterback position. No doubt. No doubt about that. And once again, um, this is exactly how I feel about Kyler Murray. Do, do I wish right now, based on earnings, that Kyler Murray was a finished product when it came, when it came to leadership? Yes. 
Do, do I wish they were kicking him out of the building at night? Yes, I do. But here's the one thing I know right now. You can't win in the National Football League unless you've got a really good quarterback. The Arizona Cardinals have a really good quarterback in Kyler Murray. And that's the great news. Because if you don't have a really good quarterback in the NFL, you are not going to win consistently. You're not going to do it. Yeah, I don't want to oversimplify it, but in some ways it really feels like what he can do can't be taught and the stuff that he needs to improve on can be taught yes. you know what i mean and and that's and that doesn't mean it will like he's got to want to learn that other stuff he's got to want to become more of a leader he's got to look at it and say okay yeah maybe i'm I, like you don't want him to look and be like oh i'm a terrible leader you want him to look and say okay here are the things i do well but here's areas i can get better you know as you're talking, you're saying, okay, do I want him to be a finished product? Even if he were a finished product, I wouldn't want him to think he was a finished product. Okay. you know what I mean? Yes. No, absolutely. That's but the mindset. Do you know where the change is going to come, Luke? you know where it's going to come? It's not going to come from the coaches. Hopefully in December. It's not going to come from the front office. It's going to come from his teammates. It is. The only way that I see somebody reaching Kyler Murray is going to be his teammates. It's one of the reasons why I think, this is just me, one of the reasons why Steve Kime tried to jam as many leaders into that locker room that he could around Kyler Murray to give him the models, to give him the example, to give him the what for. Guys that would walk up to him and say, hey, dude, what are you doing? This is the way you got to do it. I, I honestly, that's where real change could occur with Kyler Murray. Well, I, I think the way they've structured their offense, they've given him a lot of weapons. They've given him a lot of vets around him. And when you look up and down the roster, especially on offense, and you say, okay, well, who do they have that isn't really a vet? Like, Zach Ertz is a vet. That entire offensive line, even Will Hernandez, yes. basically vets. Yes. Uh, James Connors, a vet. A.J. Green's a vet. You know, the guys that they are giving him to work with that aren't necessarily, like, seasoned vets. Well, like, one of them is Hollywood Brown. That's probably his best friend. They have given Kyler every opportunity to succeed. And I don't say that in the sense of, like, so it's it's you know, on him that they didn't win a playoff game last year. No, I'm saying that the pieces are there. That That's what you should do. If you are building a team around a guy you took number one overall a couple of years ago and you're building a team to try and win with offense over defense, I, I'm sure they would love the defense to, to be at the same level, but let's be realistic. Talent-wise, the offense is much more established. If you're If you're doing that, You've got to give your quarterback every chance to succeed. And I feel like for the most part, it hasn't been perfect, but for the most part, they've put a pretty good group of talented players around him. You know, I can tell you right now, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite authors, theologians, his name is C.S. Lewis. Go ahead and Google it, my young crook brothers. C.S. Lewis said that there was one road that leads home. One. There are thousands that lead into the wilderness. Kyler Murray is that road that leads home. Because honestly, if you don't have it, if you don't have a franchise quarter, you got Jack. You're going to be looking for that guy forever until you find him. We um, we haven't heard anything for the last week and a half, and partially maybe it was because he wasn't on the field. But if you were wondering, okay, how long is that homework clause story going to follow him around? And you and I sort of had the, the same. For me, it was, okay, when the games start, that's going to go away. Uh, for you, it was when they win, it'll go away. Um, 
We'll see. But it already kind of feels like there's so much other stuff going on around the NFL, and it's not still in his contract anymore. As awkward as that week was, it was a week and a half ago, and it feels like it was two years ago, doesn't yes, it? it does. Uh, all right, when we come back, if one thing slows the Cardinals down this season more than anything else, ESPN has a pretty good idea of what it is, and I think a lot of people would agree that's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. I think Zach Ertz second year in the system, full season. I think Hollywood Brown playing in our system, and then I definitely Rondell. I mean, he's, he's kind of waited in the wings last year. He was frustrated at times last year with the way I used him, which he should have been, and I understood that. But he's going to get an opportunity to show what he can do. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Take off 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Our camp is getting going here today. See some uh, some fans piling in on the other side of State Farm Stadium here. Wolf, I want to. We kind of got into this a little bit earlier, and then we get, we got derailed by all the Kevin Durant stuff, which yeah. we're going to get back into in, in a few minutes. But uh, <laughs> but right here, the um, ESPN put out a, a piece called "The Weaknesses of the Best NFL Teams in 2022." Okay, and it's the Achilles heel heel for each team that they consider a Super Bowl contender. They have 14 of them. Okay. So the first thing that stood out to me on this on this uh, in the story was they have the Cardinals on the list. They consider the Cardinals a Super Bowl contender. Okay. Uh, for the Cardinals, for their Achilles heel, they have the cornerback position, which I think is fair. I don't. I don't think that. Like, if you had to rank, okay, what are my questions for this team this year, and you weren't just going to say is the defense good enough? If you were going to get more specific, I think the cornerback room on paper should be the biggest question mark. The rules are fair. I'm sorry, look, I just always think of Dennis Green whenever whenever I hear that right there, fair. He owns the word fair. Okay. Um, listen, I, I would totally agree with that assessment right now. It's not the edge that I'm concerned about. It's not. Um, am I saying the edge is a strike for the Arizona Cardinals? Heck no. What I am saying is there are different ways you can actually get pressure on a quarterback Scheming is one of those ways, and it just so happens Vance Joseph is very, very good at bringing five, scheming pressure, and how to get pressure on a quarterback. And if you don't believe me, just go back to 2020 when Chandler Jones played in five games and had one sack. Just go back and look at it. They still finish number five in the National Football League. I talk about it all the time, but I feel like you have to. You have to say there's proof as to what I'm talking about before you can accept it and then move on. So, for context, that was the year they still had Hassan Reddick. Correct. And that was the year they went out Yeah, but it wasn't like Hassan Reddick was some household name. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, as a reference point for people, that was also the year they went out and got Marcus Golden midseason, but they didn't have him all season. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. Excellent point of reference right there. But again, Hassan Reddick, it was not like Hassan Reddick was ever looked at as being one of the best edge rushers in the game. Well, up yeah. until that year, he was viewed as a bust. Exactly right. So... Once again, yeah, I would admit it. I would say the cornerback room is the one area that you look at. And the reason why I say that, though, Basin earnings, is because you really need three corners in today's NFL. You gotta, you gotta look at it like three corners are starters. Three guys that you can run out on the field and not get torched or be a liability because of one of them. 
Well, let alone two. Yeah, and that's so that's that's the thing you have to remember. Your depth chart behind your starting corners really starts at four, doesn't it? Yes. Because for the most part, even if three aren't starting the game, three yes. are going to play a good chunk of the game. Now, we had Marco Wilson up here about, I don't know, 45 minutes ago. He joined us. and uh, can, I, can I just say I'm a Marco Wilson fan now? Seriously. He, like, you know, I was, I I was, was thinking a fan that. watching him his rookie year. I really, oh my goodness, this guy could be a rookie of the year candidate. Defensively, how well he was playing for the Arizona Cardinals starting out there on the perimeter on an island by himself and how well he was playing. And then he faded over the last five weeks of the season, maybe six weeks of the season as well. And I I was wondering, did he hit that rookie wall? But man, after talking to him up here, now I now I'm a real fan of Marco Wilson. He just he seemed very aware of everything that was going on. You know what I mean? Not living in denial, not being like, oh no, I, I was rookie of the year, and oh we we should have won that Rams game, and everything's fine. No, he was like, and he wasn't he wasn't all gloom and doom. There was a lot of good from last year, but he was also very realistic about areas he needs to improve in. Now let's start here. For the most part, people look at the Cardinals, they say, okay, Byron Murphy, Marco, even this story I'm reading, Byron Murphy, Marco Wilson, although they did reference Robert Alford in the story, which I knew would make you smile. Um, But it's basically, here's your two guys, what are you going to do behind them? And we had Cliff last week, Cliff Kingsbury of all people, singling out Marco Wilson on a question that wasn't about Marco Wilson, per se, and saying, no, the jury's still out on him, so asked him about that today, and this was his response. No, I hear things like that, but uh, when it comes to, you know, depth charts and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's never certain. I mean, they always tell us the best guys are going to play, no matter how long you've been here or how short you've been here. And I, I seen that last year coming in as a, a fourth rounder and being able to take those snaps. So uh, the key for me is just to never get comfortable and think that I'm good where I'm at because I know that I can lose my spot as easy as anybody. How about that right there? What he just said. I liked pretty much every answer he gave to our biggest questions. What he said right there at the end. I mean, honestly, you you have to acknowledge this stuff happens to people. They get comfortable. They get complacent. It's called human nature. You take the path of least resistance. This this is why you have to be self-aware, Basinonians. You have to be. If you're a young crunk right now and you're going to be playing football this year, you're trying out. Maybe you've never played tackle football or whatever it may be. Be your harshest critic, man. Be your harshest critic. And it will it will always fuel you when you need it the most. Just listening to Marco Wilson, man, he jacked me up for a number of reasons. I'll tell you, listening to him talk about some of this stuff kind of makes me wonder what Cliff was talking about. You know what I mean? Like Because I have to assume if Cliff said that last week, then I'm, I'm with you. I think he was probably trying to send a message through the media, yeah, right? But you got to remember, right. this is, Cliff is, is traditionally an offensive guy, so he's sending a message to a defensive player. Correct. Did he see something in the first week or so of training camp he didn't like? Did he see complacency? Right. Because he, cause that was my assumption last week. Marco Wilson didn't sound complacent at all. Not at all. So I wonder what that was about. Once again, though, you you do. You have to wonder, is he sending some type of Sicilian message to Marco Wilson? The only thing that disappointed me in our conversation with Marco Wilson was the fact that he said he and Cliff had not had a face-to-face conversation about that very thing. Now, listen, on one hand, it's really a good thing because you've got a coach that I think is using the media to try to poke and prod a player to get him to go out and do what he's got to do. B.A. used to do it all the time. (laughs) 
But again, but again, <laughs> yes, maybe B, did. maybe BA though would call the guy out after a practice. Hey, come on over here. I want to talk to you, and then tell him. Or maybe before practice, as he was getting treatment in a training room, tell him, "Hey, listen, we need you to step up and be this guy. You got to have that face to face. I think before you go ahead and challenge a guy publicly." So I was a little little surprised that Cliff actually did that, yet uh, that's on one hand. On the other hand, I'm glad that he did because, again, it shows me that he's developing as a head coach. Yeah, it's it's a new tool that we haven't really seen him use no. in the past. Uh, here's more from Marco Wilson when he joined us last hour. You mentioned the conversation about him trailing off last year, and this is how he responded. That's probably just me being a rookie, um, never dealing with a season being that long and just having to adjust with a few injuries and stuff like that. But uh, going into the season now, my second year, knowing what to expect from, you know, how my body will feel and just how, how long the season can be mentally and physically, I feel like uh, things like that won't show up anymore. And he did say later when you kind of followed up on it, he was like, yeah, I probably hit that rookie wall without even realizing I was hitting it, which is, to me, a pretty honest It's how assessment. it happens. Yeah, you, yes. you don't see it coming up, right? You never see it, you know, but once again, the fact that he's willing to acknowledge it. Do you know how many guys say, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, my play, I didn't play as well as I did in the first two-thirds of the season. I didn't. I'll give you that. But, you know, honestly, right now, to say that it trailed up, no. Marco Wilson totally agreed with the assessment that his game trailed off and took a dive after two-thirds of the season. Man, that fills me with hope for that kid because he's got the talent, Luke. He's got the talent to be really, really good as a cornerback in the NFL. Now, all of a sudden, if he's willing to look at himself and do it without having a jaundice eye, do it clearly and say, man, I've got to get better. Man, you've got to acknowledge a problem, acknowledge an obstacle before you're ever going to get on top of it and overcome it. You have to acknowledge it. And he did. Well, it's one thing for Tom Brady to, in training camp, be like, oh, i got to be better at this. Like, yes, we all roll our eyes because Tom Brady has how many Super Bowl rings? He really doesn't have to get better. But anybody in that position that is a locked-in starter that's been in the league for seven years, it's got to be a little bit easier to say, oh, yeah, this is where I I was bad last year, than a second-year guy that was a fourth-round pick saying it. That also, in some ways, just kind of got called out by his coach like four days ago. Yes. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, that meeting, that Kevin Durant meeting we were wondering about. It happened on Saturday. Are the Suns closer or further away from getting Kevin Durant? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Here at training camp, just about a half hour left in the show. Players on the field ready to run. Um, Wolf, we'll switch over to basketball here. This was a surreal moment earlier in the show when I was, we were going to talk football, and every time we started to, we couldn't because we're looking at each other like, no, we're too focused on what we just heard about Kevin Durant. So now, if you have missed it, you're just jumping in the car, whatever, you were, you were actually working all day. Um, Shams, Shams Sharania has a story up on The Athletic talking about. The meeting between Kevin Durant and Nets owner Joe Tsai, which happened, it did happen ultimately on Saturday in London. In apparently. London, of all places. Yeah. Wow. Adds to the intrigue, doesn't it? That's where all big basketball <laughs> meetings go down, is in London. Uh, a couple things from the story 
to get into. Uh, I guess let's just start at the very top of it. And I, I, you know what? I'll just start thirty thousand feet with Sham's original tweet on the story and and how this might potentially impact the Phoenix Suns. He said, "Sources: Kevin Durant informed Joe Sy that he does not have faith in the Nets' direction." The meeting was described as transparent and professional with a clear message, keep me or the GM and the coach. That's the end of the tweet. So pretty straightforward from Kevin Durant. It sounds like it's either Sean Marks and Steve Nash. You can have them or you can have me. Mm. A couple other things as I'm reading deeper into the story. It's, it story came out during the show, but so it's a little bit tougher to read uh, as we're doing the show. But um, Sham says the three teams right now that appear to be the closest to getting him if he were to be dealt. The teams that are the most active at going after him right now are Boston, Toronto, and Miami. No Phoenix on that list. Okay. Uh, um, the, he said the Celtics, Raptors, and Heat remain the most significant candidates to acquire Durant, sources said. Okay, how does that make you feel, Luke? That doesn't make me feel great because if, I tell you what, if Kevin Durant goes to Boston, I don't really care about this story. Like okay. I, I lose interest very quickly. Yeah, let me just say right now, I'm, I'm having a bit of a paradigm shift on Kevin Durant, and I know intellectually it's wrong, yet emotionally I can't help it. And never forget this, my young crunk brothers, your heart will always kick the crud out of your brain. Never forget that. Always. That's just the way that it happens. You can look at something logically all day long, yet at the same time, you're going to feel a certain way. And right now, as I'm looking at Kevin Durant intellectually I understand all of that talent and the fact that he's still one of the best players in the basketball universe and he really would help the Phoenix Suns he would he would push the Phoenix Suns over the top in terms of being a a contender to win a championship I think we'd all agree yeah. on that yet it's not a guarantee and emotionally, the way I'm feeling about Kevin Durant right now is I've played with a lot of guys that were kind of like KD. You're just never really happy. They almost have to be unhappy for them to actually feel comfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's just if that's just the way he's wired, I don't know if he is, but we all know people like that that are always kind of just like, okay, well, yeah, uh, we're going somewhere fun, but uh, this wasn't perfect, so I'm not enjoying it as much. Or, yeah, we're going to go do this, but uh, I don't like this. Okay. There's always something wrong, right? Yeah, you know, and also, too, I just want to say this. I was feeling this way before. I was feeling this way before about Kevin Durant. The last time we talked about this, in the last hour, I was starting to feel this way. You know, the, he's passive-aggressive. He, there's always something wrong with KD. Is that going to be a good fit for the Phoenix Suns? Is it? It might be for a year. Granted, I'll give you that. It might be for a year, and maybe that's all they need to win a championship, for a year. But the more and more I, I think of this... The, the more and more, I don't know if Kevin Durant coming here is exactly what I want. And it has nothing to do with the article you just read. Really? It has nothing to do with the fact that there are three teams uh, well, that are being targeted other than the Phoenix I, 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 One thing you just said right there, maybe it's only, you know, maybe it would only take a year to win a title. Would you trade, Kevin? Would you trade everything on your roster that they're talking about trading? Not Booker and Paul, obviously. Would you trade all these other parts if it was only going to be Durant for a year or two years? Because I keep going back to that Kendrick Perkins quote from a month or so ago where he's like, look, Kevin Durant's never really happy. You know, he's the, and, and Perk played with him, obviously, early in his career. You kind of think he knows. 
tells him a little bit, maybe personality-wise. Yeah, um, and you Perk's know, very outspoken, it, so he might exaggerate a little bit, but it kind of seems like he's right. And once again, too, you know, honestly, I, I think of Draymond Green. And, yeah, Draymond Green drives me crazy with the antics. He does. But, man, when it comes to his professionalism, when it, when it comes to his intensity level, when it comes to his effort at his craft, at his profession, as a former player based on his, I'll tell you right now, I look at Draymond Green and I've got respect for that guy. A ton of respect for who he is inside, even though I don't like his antics. And yet, KD and Draymond were oil and water for the most part. Well, and all this said, I still want Durant. I hear where you're coming from. I still want Durant. And why that is significant to me is I just kind of process this on the air right now. This is that crossroads moment. We knew it was going to have to it get is, to a certain point. We, like We knew this whole time, like, okay, well, if they haven't traded KD yet, it's going to take him saying, I want out, which for me is the one thing I like least about the NBA. Guys being able to force their way out of a situation when they have four years to go. And like Charles, or like Shaq said last week, this is a situation Kevin Durant helped create. It's not like he got drafted by a team that's not trying to win. Brooklyn's trying to win, and he's the one that chose to go there. So if, if it weren't the Phoenix Suns, now we are at that point, we knew this day was going to come, where Kevin Durant was going to have to say, no, no, get me out of here. It sounds like to a certain extent he has, and I still want him here but it does feel like are we getting close to now like you got to kind of become what you hate to win a title i don't think the suns have to go down that path to be title contenders okay. but i'll say the other thing wolf as i read this story and this is just my interpretation it might be wrong this makes it sound more like he's sending a message to brooklyn than that he wants to go to phoenix yes okay i would agree with that right there honestly yet at the same time <laughs> I worry about Devin Booker, man. <laughs> I'm serious. Look, D-Book is developing beautifully. He's developing beautifully as an NBA player and as a leader in that locker room. He's developing beautifully. A max contract player, if ever there was. Super max. Super max. A super max contract player, if ever there was. I love Devin Booker and the way he's developing and everything he's about and his intensity. Is this going to be the best thing for Devin Booker? I, in a vacuum, the more, the, no, I know, but, but I don't think it would impact. I Booker. know, but the more and more I think about it, man, is it a guarantee the Suns are going to win a championship if nope. Kevin Durant comes here? No. I, I, no, I don't. It's not. it's not a guarantee. So you're saying is it is it a good thing for Booker in the sense of do you want Look. your young player who feels like Booker's been in the league for 34 years and he's only <laughs> no. 25, right. but do you want him to spend the next couple of years around a guy who doesn't ever seem to be happy where he is? Yes, that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, right I mean, there. I think there is something to be said for that. I just I. I, I don't think I would have wanted second-year Devin Booker around him, but this this is Booker's team. I, I know, but you, you again, the evidence is there that Kevin Durant, I, I loved Kevin Durant. I was a huge Kevin Durant fan, have been for years. Yeah, when he did go to Brooklyn and there was the super team that was being formed up there with Kyrie, of course, and James Harden. Yeah, I, okay, really? You just left Golden State. Yeah, I worried about that. But right now, the more and more evidence I look at it, and the more and more I hear from guys like Kendrick Perkins and Draymond Green, two guys that I got a ton of respect for, I, I, 
I don't know if that's a slam dunk anymore. All right, when we come back, we're out here at camp. Obviously, camp is in full swing this afternoon. We'll come back with some updates from Cliff Kingsbury on the status of guys like Trey McBride, uh, Hollywood Brown, Kyler Murray. That's all next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Everyone's excited about this year, especially on offense. We got the tools to be a really good offense. It's the start of a special journey. This group, we have staff-wise, player-wise, it'll never be the same again. You want to make it count and, and make sure uh, we all put our best foot forward. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. All right, Wolf, we're here. What's going on on the field in front of us? Sure do see Hollywood Brown out there. That's uh, it's a nice development. First of all, how sweet it is, baby. There he is, number two, Hollywood Brown, actually practicing. That's fantastic. And not only that, Kyler Murray's out there. Kyler Murray's out there. It's hard to miss him with the neon shoes. And uh, under center a couple times, not like a ton, <laughs> a couple times. Every time he does it, I'm totally distracted while you're talking. And it's funny, every time he's done it, you've been looking away from the field, which is rare. Uh, here's Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury today. Let's start with the Hollywood stuff. He was asked if there's going to be a punishment for Hollywood Brown. Um, yeah, that, that would be um, NFL and... They kind of handled that at this point, protocol-wise. Um, and as far as a follow-up to that question, let's, um, yeah, here's the follow-up. No, no. I've gotten too many of those, whatever those cars they set that they flash with those lights. Yeah, so I can't really speak on that topic. So it <laughs> doesn't sound like he'll be handing down a punishment. It sounds like it would be from the NFL. You know, honestly, too, um, I, with the new CBA, of course, um, I, I don't think the NFL team can do yeah. that. that you I, I don't might think be they right. Can um, I think the NFL is the only entity that could? Uh, now this is uh, this is more from Cliff Berkovici getting an elevated role uh, you, there's no i've almost just asked you if you've heard his response to this but how would you you've been up here doing the show with me i, I read the response though it's pretty good we call him the local celebrity mike burko i just needed a presentation of the offensive unit that if you ever go out with him you're playing for second place already because he's like the pied piper around here but um he obviously has the asu status which carries him a long way in scottsdale but he, he's He's got a uh, he's got a great football mind. I think um, the biggest thing I noticed early was just the rapport with the players. You know, they, they respect how he carries himself. I think he, he's done a good job building relationships within the building and the players, and, and they know he works his tail off, and they know how he coaches and, and how much work he puts into it. So there's a level of trust he's built with the guys. And so anytime you can come in as a young guy and um, make that impression, it, it's it's a big deal. Boy, that is that is some high have praise that, right that there for for, uh, for your Scottsdale status. Right it's, it's so great that he actually. Met, I mean, that is so cliff right there. I mean, that is that's going to get everybody all fired up. All the traditionalists all over the National Football League. How dare you talk about that going out? You're Mister, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, and everything's cool, and you look good, and you dress up, and you you hang out with Tom Brady, and you know, I mean, honestly, he's probably even got. 
got a fashion guy like you, Wolf. <laughs> Josh, my guy. But you know what? Honestly, once again, um, Burko has got a future in the National Football League. I had a conversation with him, and I have to tell you, man, I was so impressed with what he knows. And the fact that he played and was a player is going to help him. It does. It gives it gives a little cred to the players that you're coaching. Like when with they ASU, too. I mean, that's got to help, right? Well, that's, no, it doesn't. Oh, but not, it feels not, like it does. No, oh, you, you're okay. trying to make it sound I'm like it trying does. Trying to make it sound better, yes. At ASU, I, I really don't know if they have that kind of cred. No offense. I love ASU. Well, it probably does help his status in Scottsdale. I think Cliff's at least right about that. Oh, Scottsdale, of course. No, but he's uh, we had uh, we had Burko in... What was that during mandatory minicamp or it was OTAs? It was one of the two. And uh, you can just tell his answer is very intelligent, detailed, detailed in a way that makes sense. I think even if you're not like the world's biggest football fan, you just like the Cardinals. You know what I mean? But it's not your life. You've got like a regular job and kids. But he was he was describing stuff that is very important on the field in a way that. I feel like most people could understand, which is obviously huge as a coach, right? You're taking these complex things. You're trying to get them to everybody on your yes. team to be able to figure it out quickly. He talked about how he had kind of bounced around different position groups, and he did a very good job of not answering your question uh, about <laughs> if they're going to run the ball more in yes. the red zone and Kyler's going to be under center. Now, i got to play this for you, Wolf. I haven't heard it yet, but it's an update on Trey McBride. And anytime we have a Trey McBride update, I'm just going to play it for you, okay? The next couple of days, we'll, we'll tell. We're going to see if he f- is feeling good, and if he is, we'd love to, for him to get a lot of playing time this week. See, I, I'm a little nervous now because okay. I'd like to see him play on Friday. Okay, so Trey McBride is out here, Basin audience. Trey McBride is out here actually working. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, I'm going to put yeah. that into the positive put it right column, in the positive category, right there. And uh, maybe Trey McBride is going to get a lot of work then in this game coming up in Cincinnati. Man, I, I for one want to see it. I really do. It sounds like they do, too, because remember initially last week when he missed that first day, Cliff made it sound like it was rest because we want to see what he can do. We want to make sure he's ready for that Cincinnati game. Yeah, you have to wonder, too, honestly, if, if in fact, the Arizona Cardinals play Trey McBride and he gets out there and he gets 20, 25 reps or something like that in this game, really? Could a rookie, a second-round pick, could he actually get that amount of work? I think he could get maybe 20, maybe 20 reps. Um, and if he looks good, uh, I don't know how much more we'll see him. Really? That's crazy. I'm just telling you right now. Listen, NFL coaches are trying to make an evaluation based on so much of the time on a player in training camp. Can he play in the NFL? Is he NFL ready? That's what they're trying to figure out now. So once you've found out. It's not, let's drive him into the ground and find out how tough this kid is. That's not what they're doing anymore, Luke. They're not doing that. What they're trying to evaluate is, does this kid belong in the National Football League or not? That's it. And once they say yes, okay, so why are we going to treat him any differently save him for than the start anybody of the else? Because it's not like he's going to see all these complex blitz and pressure packages. It's not like he's going to see all these complex defenses. He's going to see base stuff in preseason. He's going to see it, and he's going to be able to learn it. So why try to drive him into the ground if we think he's NFL ready? Why are we trying to kill him, even if he's a rookie? That's how much the philosophy has changed with coaches. Uh, real quick, too, here's Cliff on that cornerback room that he was kind of critical of last week. 
Yeah, it's it's to be determined. There's no doubt. I've been impressed with Hamilton. He's stepped in and, and second year in the system. Super competitive, very athletic. Uh, contributed a lot on special teams last year, and, and when we needed him, stepped up in that role. But he's really played well in camp. But we need Marco, and we need another one of those young guys to really come on. Uh, that's a position I think that depth wise, we are in search of the, the next guy that's going to come along and uh, make us feel good about him going in and playing meaningful plays. Uh, that's the second guy we've heard today say something good about Antonio Hamilton. The first was Marco Wilson when he was in here. Yeah. Second time we've heard Cliff say we need Marco to step up. That one wasn't as like as definitive and obvious, but he did say it. That I'm sure this is something we'll talk about tomorrow. What I didn't like is uh, what I did like is the fact he didn't mention Byron Murphy. <laughs> How about that? That's yeah. kind of good. Yeah, right? There's no questions with Byron Murphy. Yeah, of he's, he's just in there. So beautiful. Uh, all right, that is. Uh, let's see. Anything else out here at practice? You've got four seconds to talk about anything you've seen, Wolf. No, I can't wait for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You're going to see the rest of this practice and the start of tomorrow's practice before we go back on the air. All right, that's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Byron Oliver. For uh, Lauren Koval as well. For Wolf and Luke, we got Burns and Gambo right here next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Peace and strength.